Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina New Zealand uh, as Cup Week close comes to a close, so do we. Here on uh, SCNZ in the morning, it's been a busy week uh, up and down from Christchurch and uh, I've enjoyed it, uh, but it's been a Cup Week with a difference and uh, today's a big day at Addington of course and then of course tomorrow at Rickerton Park for the New Zealand Cup. Uh, our show's purpose this morning, uh, we've got Brodie Retallick very shortly, straight out of the All Black engine room. Uh, it's a bit of a preview to this test against Ireland at the weekend, so looking forward to talking to the big fella. Uh, Grant Elliott, what are his thoughts now? Uh, we know who we're playing. What did they make of? Uh, what did he make of that Australian run chase last night? Quite devastating, wasn't it, when it came to the crunch? Uh, so we'll talk about that. Cameron George, CEO, of course, of the Warriors. Lots of changes going on, personnel changes, etc. Just exactly uh, where do we sit now with the squad and uh, arrangements for next year, etc. Uh, has he got any insight into uh, whether the Warriors will be able to play at home sooner rather than later now? Maybe. Uh, Jeff McTainch and Hugh Bainan will be on the panel just uh, around about 10.20 this morning. Uh, Louis Herman Watt and Thad Taylor, the boss from uh, the TAB. Uh, that's just before 11 o'clock. Uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, Tim Aldridge from New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing's uh, general manager. He's uh, involved with their racing and their infrastructure. We'll be talking to him. Uh, and then um, Mick Guerin, Michael Guerin, of course. It's a massive day, free-for-all day at Addington this afternoon. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, what a great compay, two great semis, thrilling run chases back to back. Emotions and pressure, either side of the rope, broken-hearted families in despair at their heroes unable to handle the heat when it came to the crunch. There's been some great hitting under the pump two nights in a row, but the bowlers have dished it up and they have crumbled. Half follies and full tosses are like fillet steak when you're on the charge, you want them and you hunger for them, and if you're anywhere near in form, you devour them. And so it's been two nights in a row, and you can throw in a couple of hot potatoes in the outfield, put down for good measure as well. So now we have the final, the final we want to win, but is it the final we want to play? Not for me, not now. Australia have a powerful side, and they have found their mojo as well. Power hitters down to number eight, led by Davey Warner, who's hitting it so well, he doesn't even know when he's hit it. Get your head around that if you can. It was massive relief on the Aussie balcony, but with it, you could see the confidence returning. Make no mistake, we are the team they want to play, just like big brother with little brother in the backyard in a game of bull rush. And now we've lost Conway. Six months ago, that wouldn't have been an issue, but he's been that good, that reassuring. It's a bitter blow right now. Talk about brain fades, that's top of the list. How costly could that moment of madness be? Get the picture I'm painting us right smack into the underdog corner. And that's exactly where the Aussies hate us. It irks them. Can we win? You bet we can. But the job just got a whole lot tougher. Our bowlers against their batsmen. That's the way I see it. 
$1.6 million up for grabs and the title. Yes, the title, another one. All eyes on Dubai. Do, oh, sorry, all eyes on Dubai. Meanwhile, somewhere in Dublin. Well, the All Blacks have named uh, their team for Sunday morning's test against Ireland and Dublin, and we cross now live to uh, one of our great friends of the show, Brody Retallick, who will be starting in his 91st test match, uh, 91st, test, 91, 91st test match this weekend. Uh, Brody, good morning to you, or, or good evening uh, Irish time. How's the build-up been, man? Yeah, good day, Smithy. How you going? Um, yeah, it's been a great week actually. We've um, we've had a good week. I thought we finished. It's Thursday night over here, and we had a good finish on Thursday training day, which is our big one, obviously this afternoon. Um, so yeah, we've had a good a good week's preparation, and you know, just yeah, kind of start getting ready and getting the body right for Saturday afternoon. Speaking of the body, uh, last time we saw you, uh, you were coming off uh, with a bad shoulder. How's how's uh, How's the uh, re- rehabilita- rehabilitation gone for that? Yeah, no, it's been pretty good. It's um, it, it, it's nothing major. I just took a bit of a whack and I couldn't really get my arm off due to some inflammation. So, yeah, after, I don't know, maybe three or four days, it settled down. And I, I, was, I trained probably last week. So, yeah, we've, we've cut the pad on it and um, covered it up and it seems to have worked. So, yeah, so far, so good anyway. So how's the intensity been uh, within the camp, bearing in mind uh, over from this point of view over here, uh, we've been waiting for these two these two test matches. Uh, has that pretty much been the feeling with for you guys as well, or have you just been taking it week by week? Yeah, we've been trying to concentrate on week by week. Obviously, you know, like, like you said, we've got two massive tests against the Irish and the French to finish off. I think um, you know, the way that Ian and the coaches have kind of rotated players and given people opportunities and while also resting, um, the energy is great within the group. Obviously, there's a, quite a few of us that didn't play last week against Italy, and um, so we kind of had a not a week off, but obviously no game in the week to, in the weekend to kind of refresh again. So, um, energy energy levels within the group have been great this week. How's it been, man? You've been on the road for two months now. Uh, obviously, a long way from home now. How, how are the how are the energy levels? And uh, it's, I guess it's a little bit akin to like playing a World Cup away from home. It's been that long. Yeah, I think we're almost. I think we're almost close to the three. I think we're going to go down to twelve a week now, as you see. So um, it seems like a long time ago that I left Nathan and drove to the airport. But um, yeah, I guess we've kind of touched on that. It's kind of a tour like no other for the All Blacks, you know, no other team in the modern era has toured for this long and everyone's kind of doing it, so we've just got on with the job and, um, you know, I think we've, we've had great energy and, and the, the group's been really good and gone on well, so, you know, the, the, I guess it comes down to your culture, so yeah, I think we're in a good spot and like you say, we're looking to finish off these next two weeks, um, hopefully with two wins before we come home. Uh, are you still in a bubble type situation, or, or are you pretty much free to come and go, come and go as you please? Um, we're in a bubble where we can't really mix with the public at all, due to I think the, the, the you know if the protocol was if someone was to catch COVID, then they had to isolate for ten days, and obviously if a large majority of the group managed to catch it, then 
you know, we probably wouldn't be able to field a team potentially. So we, we can't really much in public. We are able to go out and do different things, but uh, when that happens, it's uh, minimal kind of interaction and or it's just the team. Last time in Dublin, of course, uh, back in 2018, the Irish won 16-9. to nine. Uh, Has that been brought up at all this week? Yeah, we haven't touched on it too much. We've... Um, you know, obviously, since then we played them in the World Cup and uh, played them a little while ago. We've more touched on playing Ireland and Ireland, and you know, it's it's like a team coming down to New Zealand in their own backyard. It's a lot tougher, and um, and it's an experience. If you get a lot of the younger boys, you know, like be more figured out. haven't gone to South Africa and um, toured Europe before, so it, it's more been a lot about what to expect, you know. And we know it's going to be tough, and but it's exciting to come up to these European stadiums and, and play teams up here. Yeah, well, they're saying uh, 55,000 at Aviva Stadium uh, come the weekend for you guys on the back of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being there during the week as well. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big night in, uh, in Dublin tonight. I think the Irish are playing the Spanish, or if I'm, if I'm correct, in football tonight. So that's on there today and probably as we speak. And then uh, obviously the, the test on Saturday. So I think it's a pretty big week for the, for the Irish, that's for sure. So what do, what do we know about the, this Irish forward pack, mate? Uh, you've been up against some of them before. Uh, how how solidly do you rate them and and, uh, uh, and their ability to match you guys? Yeah, I think a lot of their work comes off the back of the forward pack. Obviously, they've got some real height in their, their line-out. They've got a big tight five, so when you get um, you know, Bondiaki starting in the midfield and you get having what John Ford and off the best of the piece, you can see you know, why they're beating teams and why they're playing the way they are. Um, it's pretty much how they you know, opened up the Japanese last weekend. So, you know, a lot of ways it starts up front, but this, this time more than either, we, need to, we need to win that battle and, and try and get some dominance up there. They were quite sort of expansive once they'd done that hard work. Are you expecting a, that kind of game plan or will you think they'll revert to just muscle and uh, pretty close to the pack? Yeah, I think, you know, they've got the backs to do it when the opportunity's on. You've got Sonny Sexton, who, you know, a world-class player, Paul Strang, so when the opportunity's there, they're seeing and playing. Um, you know, I'd like to think that we can play a bit more intensity to our defence than the Japanese did. Obviously, they ran a pretty big score against them. So, yeah, we we plan to try and shut that down, um, that's for sure. So you've got up against a couple of um, old mates, really. There's three New Zealanders, uh, at least, within their group. Uh, but Bundyaki and James Lowe in particular, any contact there, any banter yet? <laughs> I had a couple of messages with James Lowe, not this week, uh, but, you know, sort of leading up to it. But, yeah, that, that's kind of it's, uh, the little things you miss about when you're touring in, in a normal world is going to catch up with people and old teammates. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, see them after the game. But uh, that's about it so far. No Sam Kane this week, but uh, he's uh, st- slowly getting back to it. How, how do you feel his progress has been and his mindset? Yeah, I think he's, he's been going good. Obviously, you know, it's, he's, he's spent a long time in the game and to come back and play test match rugby, uh, it's not easy. So, um, you know, I guess he, he's had some game time and he's working hard during trainings and then getting to prepare his body for hopefully if he gets to run next week. So um, it's awesome to have him back in the group. You know, obviously he was named captain earlier in the year and um, he's a leader, a massive leader in this in this group so it's good to have him back around. 
kept the Bledisloe Cup. Um, Brody have uh, won the, the championship, of course. Uh, but just how important, how important for you in terms of the season are these two test matches? Yeah, they're massive, they're massive for this group. You know, we've touched on um, coming up here with the five games and, and wanting to win all five. And I think, um, you know, like you said, there's been a pretty big build-up to this Irish test um, and then again for next week. But obviously we're just concentrating on this week. But, you know, we, we want to be leaving here, heading home for our summer with another two wins um, and hopefully, you know, finish the year with only one loss is, is how we see it. In terms of your own development, Brody, I've spoken to her two or three times uh, since your return from Japan, and you, you kind of figure you're pretty much back to where you were now in, in terms of um, the phys- physicality and the speed and the pace of the game. Yeah, it's it's, it's been interesting, obviously, with the, such a big tour and you know not playing every week, week in week out. But I'm reasonably happy. There's a few things still need to tidy up, <laughs> giving away a few too many penalties for my liking uh, in the last few test matches, but. You know, on the whole, I'm, I'm reasonably happy of where the body's at. Um, I was talking to our trainer just the other day about we're pretty. We're, it's the longest all backs been together for a long time, so we've pretty much been professionally training, you know, for 11 or 12 weeks now. Normally, we have a couple of weeks before we go home for a week and then come back in. So, um, yeah, the mm. body and you know the fitness levels and all that stuff across the whole group are in a good spot. Aaron Smith was a surprise to us back at, at home. The, the the SOS mission to, to get over to Ireland quickly is has he arrived? Have you seen him uh, or, and, or and has he been involved? Yeah, he arrived here on uh, Wednesday lunchtime and Wednesday's a day off for us. So <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he, what you expect from Aaron? He got off the plane and was looking straight for a gym to go to go burn off some energy and, and he played a part in this afternoon's training. So um, yeah, he definitely brings some energy levels to the group. Um, that's for sure in the way that he does. But yeah, with I guess with um, Brad taking a bit of a knock and Finlay having some question marks over his neck, um, they need some cover there. So you know, again, he's a great, great person to bring in for the back end of these last two weeks. Different time zone, I know, but have you been able to uh, follow the uh, the Black Caps in their uh, quest for T20 glory? We did. It actually worked out perfectly. Um, on Wednesday, we had day off and it was middle of the afternoon so that we had it on the team room and the boys were um, sitting around watching it. So, well, yeah, afternoon into the evening. So, uh, yeah, we were, all, we were all pretty pumped to see them get the job done at the end there. It's pretty awesome to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, it was actually. A, a whole country's on a bit of a high and they will be. Uh, of course, if you guys beat uh, Ireland, what's the programme between now and uh, and kickoff time? Yeah, tomorrow's tomorrow's recently cruised they normally do a bit of um, sponsor stuff in the morning but at the moment it's all kind of done online and, and then just captains, captains run um, tomorrow afternoon but you know, obviously these European tests are kind of played in the afternoon rather than at 730 at night over here so said they comes around pretty quick and you're into it um, you know I think we're 305 this week so yeah it'll go pretty quickly what do you what do you prefer do you prefer night as a player do you prefer night rugby or afternoon rugby Oh, I actually kind of prefer the the afternoon, evening. You know, like the, the day leading up to the game is that you're not waiting around so long, kind of, you know, wasting a day almost, just waiting for the game to happen. Also from a recovery point of view, you know, like last week played at 2 o'clock and we're back at the hotel by 6 to, to have dinner and, and get a good night's sleep sometimes. Um, you know, we're not returning to the hotel for 12, 30, 1 o'clock at night. And I think next week in um, Paris we don't, 
kick off to 9 p.m. So <laughs> it's almost the, the polar yeah. opposite of uh, said day. But yeah, I think uh, afternoons for the especially up here at the moment, with the way coming into winter is uh, is pretty awesome. Okay, mate. Well, we'll leave it there. Hey, we wish you all the best. I uh, hope you get through okay and uh, strong performance at, at the weekend. Could be a great one. The All Blacks over Ireland and uh, the cricketers over Australia. That might not be a too bad a double header to be part of. Nah, yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll be good. And uh, yeah, go to Black Black Caps. Hope they get the job done. Yeah, good on you, mate. And go the All Blacks as well. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Prepare well. We'll be watching. No worries. Cheers. Here's Brody Retallick there, uh, out of the All Black camp, of course, uh, alongside Sam Whitelock. Uh, Sam Whitelock over 100 games now, and Brody Retallick uh, in his 91st this weekend. Man, what a combination they have been. Maybe that's a, a subject you, you want to, to talk about. Uh, are they the best ever locking combination that we've ever had? Double eight double three is our text number. Uh, Whitelock and Retallick, the best locking combination we've ever had. Going back a wee bit, we've had some very good locks. Don't you worry about that. They're very, very privileged in our engine room. But uh, as a combination, uh, these two, uh, the very best that we've ever had. Also, of course, uh, what do you make now? Australia against New Zealand. Australia against New Zealand. Uh, it's the final, I believe, that we want to win. It's the team we want to beat. But is it the team we want to play? What is your thoughts on that? Double eight, double three. It's, uh, do you fear Australia now, having seen the mood that they were in at the end of the game, ha- having seen the way the depth of their batting with Wade coming in right down the bottom there and doing all that damage, uh, do you fear the, the Aussies more than Pakistan? I kind of do, but I'd love your thoughts. Double eight, double three. To behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it's 9.25 here on SCNZ on this uh, Friday morning. Uh, nothing worse, uh, says uh, one Chris, in sports than a confident Australian cricket team. Totally agree. Um, hi, Smithy. I think we can beat Australia. We have... Uh, don't... I think we can't beat Australia. Sorry, I'm, I'm struggling a bit here. Uh, I think we can't beat Australia. We have a mental block there. I, I, there's a bit on that. I, there is a bit on that. They live rent-free in our players' heads. We could have beaten Pakistan, I feel. Go the Naki from Chop. Yeah, go the Naki this weekend. They've uh, got a big game against the South on Stags. Uh, Smithy, the Conway injury is a huge blow. Those damned Aussies look real good. We're going to need everyone at their peak, but we will win. Cheers, Ken. I feel, uh, I feel your confidence coming through. I like it, um, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. So, Smithy, yes, I think we, we would have beaten Pakistan not so sure about the Aussies, but we have uh, we give them a good game as long as guppy fires. Cheers and have a great weekend. Same to you, Dave, from uh, Karaka. Uh, Smithy, you're the expert, I think, with Guppy and Kane missing out in their last big. That's a bonus. Yep, maybe it is. Our fielding could be the difference. The Aussies dropped three catches that should have cost them, uh, but uh, good on them for not giving up. We have, in my opinion, the best bowling lineup. Shane Ferguson is out with that extra pace. Um, both uh, the Australians don't like the pace. Uh, that's a good point as well. They're not huge on it, huge on it. Uh, and then uh, good luck to Kane and the teammates. Team of five million are behind them. Absolutely, we are all behind them. Chris says uh, hi. Uh, what about the Black Ferns? No mention. Well, I'm not ignoring the Black Ferns. In fact, here you go, uh, Chris. Of course, they're up against France this weekend, and uh, Coach Glenn Moore has made three changes to the starting lineup uh, with. Uh, 
Faliafaga coming in with Brazier returning from injury, and uh, Maya Roos is promoted from the bench. So uh, that is uh, the changes that he's made for this uh, team against France. But there's a little bit of continuity there about it, isn't there? He made a lot of changes in between English test matches. But um, Glenmore under a bit of pressure, you would think, or is he? I'm not too sure about that. Um, and certainly that's a very important match, a turnaround match. They can ill afford to lose uh, two in a row to France as well as losing to England. So there are some problems there without doubt. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Grant Elliott. Very shortly, he will have um, taken a very close look, I'm sure, uh, at that game last night, broken it down, look at the Australian side and uh, where we're at. And uh, we'll also talk about this uh, freak injury um, to Devin Conway, which is which has hurt us in a big way, actually. Um, as I said in the sermon six months ago, wouldn't have worried me too much if we lost Conway. I really didn't know that much about him. Uh, but now I do, and I, I, I like what I see. I mean, there was a lot of credit given the other night to... Uh, to Jimmy Neesham, of course, to Daryl Mitchell, but without the 46 that Conway made, just to uh, balance things out, he did the he did the Williamson job for us, and it's nice to have someone of that ability to do that. Plus, the balance of the side is another thing. Uh, with his batting skills and his ability to wicket-keep, now we have to go for a specialist wicket-keeper who isn't as well-performed with a bat in Tim Seifert. So it, it has affected uh, the balance, and it's a freakish injury. I, I've seen... Uh, batsmen do that from time to time um, and not very often uh, you get an injury like that so it's very freakish but he'll be feeling uh, a little bit sick about the whole deal one because he's missing out himself and two because he's let his teammates down so um, not good and uh, Gary said, sort of uh, laughed it off but deep down you know that he'll be pretty frustrated by the whole thing as well so uh, you can't get over your boogeyman if you avoid your boogeyman, you take him head on and uh, end it wasn't that long ago we had the same type of issue with Pakistan. Well, let's be fair, Pakistan mocked us up the other day as well. So are we over that one? Are we really over the Pakistan one yet? I'm not sure. But Australia will like this. They know they've got a history. Most of those players have got a history of beating New Zealand on the big occasion. They would prefer to play us than they would have played, have preferred to play England had they got knocked us over. England beat them comfortably in the round-robin side of things. So... I make make no bones about it. Uh, I know these Australians pretty well, and they will be looking forward to playing New Zealand a lot more than they would have been looking forward to playing either Pakistan or England. They think they can get us, no doubt about it. And we'll confirm that later too, uh, after 11 o'clock when we speak to the legendary, the great Adam Gilchrist, uh, live from Perth. Uh, he works on uh, SENZ in Perth, oh, sorry, SEN in Perth, and he will be uh, with us just after 11 to discuss this. <music> 932 here on SENZ, and it's 2015 all over again. Slightly different form of the game, but it is a World Cup final, and it is Australia against New Zealand. As we well know, it will be in Dubai, 3 a.m. Monday morning, and uh, a bloke who knows all about that kind of confrontation on the very biggest stage at all is our teammate here at uh, SENZ, uh, Grant Elliott. He's part of the commentary team along with Daniel McCarty who will be calling that grand final for you 3am Monday morning. Good morning to you, Grant Elliott. Um, I, I've said myself, uh, uh, it's the final I, I want to see us win, but I'm not quite sure it's the one I, I want to see us play all of a sudden. <laughs> 
morning, Smitty. Great to be on the show. Um, yeah, I sort of, I did call it. I said that this would be my ideal um, lineup: is beating England and then having Aussie in the final. However, with the news of Devin Conway having that broken metacarpal, I or fractured metacarpal, I sort of feel like, oh, you know, we're going to have the balance of our team thrown out a bit, and we saw that in the first game when we lost to Pakistan. Ferguson couldn't play, and suddenly, you know, Seifert came in, and we didn't have that pace bowler. This isn't the case now. Now it's the, the batting that we're going to have to look to shuffle, as well as our keeper. So a little bit unsettling, especially after what Devin Conway did. Um, however, I do feel like, you know, New Zealand's in a good headspace, but as is Australia, I don't think they expected to have made the final going in here. I didn't think that they were playing particularly well. Um, and they seem to have got some momentum, especially um, with one of their match winners, which is David Warner. You know, Grant, when you, you're part of a team and, and you lose one of your key players, I mean, it happens. Uh, this is a freakish way to lose, and I, I would imagine Devin Conway's feeling quite sick about the whole thing. But uh, you put a brave face on, but I think there's a little space of your of your mind that thinks, wow, um, that is, that's a bad blow for us, and we've got to find something really, really extra about that. And I'm sure that's probably, well, you won't see it outwardly, but inwardly, he's been that good, Conway, so quickly. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll be feeling that. Yeah, I think it's not not only the fact that it's Devon, um, because I think we've got some amazing players in that team. And as we've said before, we, we're having a golden era of New Zealand cricket at the moment. It's great to be a Black Caps fan. But the fact that Devon Conway's a left-hander as well, I think is very significant, because we know that spinners have, have operated well um, through the middle. Um, it does mean for Aussie that maybe they... They do bring in someone like Ashton Agar, potentially, take it away from the right-handers. Um, but Adam Zampa's bowling beautifully. He's top, uh, well, he's got the, the um, second most wickets in the tournament. He's at 12, um, and uh, he, he got five for 19, the best bowling figures of, of the tournament. So how will we counter Zampa throughout the middle? I think having that left-hander was a real bonus in Devon, which is... Maybe why Gary Stead batted him at four was to counter-spin. He plays spin well. You can manipulate the bowling with the right hand and left hand at the crease and just rotate the strike without taking too much risk and hopefully getting you know six to eight and over without losing wickets. So that's a massive blow in terms of the strategy and how you play it. And obviously the man that will come in, I'll be surprised if it won't be Tim Seifert. Um, but if he does come in, um, he normally opens the batting. We saw him in the first game, he batted in the middle, uh, but he'll have a role mm. to play. So how Gary Stead sort of juggles that batting order will be interesting. Can I look at ask you honestly about um, the last two performances? I mean, the run chasing and the hitting has been outstanding. There's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, Nisham's uh, little cameo and then Mitchell finishing it off. Uh, and then you look at what happened with Stoinis and Wade just a couple of hours ago. How good's the bowling been in those situations, though? Can I ask you that? Yeah, I haven't seen too much of the, the Australian game, but I will say in the, the England game, which I, I watched um, with New Zealand, I felt that they were they had made the, the team plan and they were content in going back of the length and short um, and changes of pace. Whereas actually, you know, to James Neesham, who changed the game on England, I thought James Neesham's innings was the real catalyst 
to us winning, and then it was finished off beautifully by Daryl Mitchell. But they bowled back of a length to, to James Neesham, who could get underneath the delivery. And, you know, even though Nasu Saint said there wasn't a lot of dew there, you could tell that it maybe did skid on a little bit more. And when they bowled the Yorker, it wasn't put away. So I feel like England, when they look back at that, they'll say, we should have bowled more Yorkers. And it'll be very interesting to see if either of these teams are in that situation, whether they go to Yorkers or back-of-a-length deliveries. And the reason why they've been going back-of-a-length deliveries is just because of the inconsistency of bounce and pace. And when you listen to the commentators talk about it, they say, and having been over there three months ago, you do get tufts of grass in places, and then you'll just get, you know, just sand with, with no grass covering. So when it does hit that, um, the, the gravel side of it, it'll slow up, and when it hits the grass, it speeds on and skids on. So there's different pace and, and bounce in the pitch, which just makes it difficult for middle-order batters to, to actually play um, you know, through the line. And that's why it's, we see the guys that have success actually get themselves in, and they face you know, between 25 to 30 balls before they actually start looking fluent. Mm. It's, a, it's an interesting point, actually. I heard Nasser Hussain in commentary the other night saying a lot of bowlers are a little bit hesitant now about trying for Yorkers because the margin for error is so small. It can become a, a shin-high full toss, which is gettable, and then it becomes a half volley if it's just shy of the mark as well. So that's, that's, a lot of them are now are, are tending to steer away from it, but if you get it right, it's, a, it's unhittable. It's unhittable over the fence. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's the delivery that under pressure as a bowler, that's where, you, that's where you earn your money, is those pressure situations where you know that a Yorker will deliver the goods. You have to absolutely nail it. And, I mean, these guys practice it. Chris Jordan is one of the best bowlers of Yorker um, in the world, you know, arguably. And he went to back of a length. And that, that over that he bowled to Nishin changed the game. And I think he bowled one Yorker. And the one Yorker he bowled was a leg bite that smashed into mm. Nishin's pad. And you wonder why he didn't go there more often. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know that a lot of players have gone away from Yorker, but there are different ways that you can bowl a Yorker. You can bowl a wide Yorker, take it away from the arc of the player. You can bowl it in at the pads. Um, so... Yeah, if you've got a bowler that can bowl those Yorkers at the death, and I think that New Zealand, I'll be surprised if we don't go down that route, especially to Australia. I think that, you know, you do have to mix it up. You can't become too predictable with the Yorker, and I think that that's when it gets dangerous. But the Yorker is, as you say, you know, the safest delivery to bowl if you can execute it. A hesitant Australian, a hesitant Australian sportsman is gettable, very gettable. Uh, a confident one is, uh, well, it, it's a lot tougher. It simply is. You know that. I know that. But uh, where do you think now, having got themselves out of a deep hole through some batting brilliance uh, later this, uh, earlier this morning, where do you think they'll sit now in their mindset against New Zealand, uh, New Zealand-Australia's team? Oh, I, th- I think the Australian cricket team, as I said, going into this competition, I don't think that they were in a good space. They didn't have great combinations however now you look at their team and you go okay well you know Finch has got runs uh suddenly Warner's started getting runs the only two batters in their lineup who are due is Smith and Maxwell um and Mm. I mean they know that they've got match winners 
I think Australia, you know, you look at their team, bowling and batting, they've got some serious match winners. I think New Zealand, when they play as a collective, I think that we're unbelievable and we has, have played as a collective throughout the whole tournament. Everyone's contributed. Um, I think it's going to be a great game, Smitty. And dare I say it, the only thing I'm worried about is the toss. I, I can't understand why this game is... Um, it's 3 a.m. in New Zealand, so I don't know what time it is in, in Dubai, but um, those games, the, the latter part of the day, the team batting second has always had a little bit of an advantage. So... I think it should have been more of a day game or earlier on in the day um, to even things out with the toss because I think the toss is going to be crucial, particularly in Dubai, because Dubai tends to give more bounce than Sheikh Zayed and Sharjah. So, you know, you get away with it batting second or the stats don't really, um, you know, align too much to the, the team batting second, whereas at Dubai it does because you get more bounce which means that you can get underneath it and, you know, get more elevation on, on the ball with the, yeah. the back half of the innings when you, you're striking it. So that does worry me a bit, the toss. Um, I sort of feel like potentially team that wins the toss wins the game, but it's final cricket and there's match winners in both teams. So um, it's going to be an exciting final. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to calling it. Uh, well, we're looking forward to listening to you call it too, mate. So, um, uh, yeah, Get ready for it. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be spectacular, whatever. And uh, our guys have been absolutely brilliant. And if they can overcome this uh, this team in yellow, this uh, this mental thing that they've had over us on big occasions, uh, then we win it. And that, w- that would be, uh, I think, absolutely fantastic. Enjoy, the- enjoy it, mate. I-, I know it'll bring back a lot of memories for you. So enjoy it while you can. Hey, well, Smithy, before you go, I actually need some advice. I've mm. never called a final before. And obviously you're... Voice has been over the airwaves uh, throughout your career. What av- what advice are you going to give me and Snake McCarty for the final? He's already aggressive. Well, he, he's not too sure yeah. about facing Aussies. Yeah, I know it's a it's a pretty hard job to, to call it the way you're calling it um, off tube as well. So because you don't, I I, env- I don't envy you because you don't actually get the the actual effects and you don't you aren't able to sit there and see what's happening off camera shot around the ground. So it's a really tough skill that you, you guys are developing and doing very well um i i just think you, you just enjoy it mate and 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 just be just be grant elliott just be grant elliott don't be don't try and be richie benno or anything like that just be yourself man and and let your feelings come at it let your feeling let you let us hear your, your ups and let us hear your downs and let us live the moment with you that's all i want to don't be don't be too over researched about it just go with it it's t20 cricket man that's what i would do well, thanks, Smitty. Well, I hope it's going to be a day of great elation because, as you say, 2016 World Cup, we lost in the final. So it is a little bit of um, deja vu, and I hope that New Zealand can get up. <laughs> That'll make me ecstatic. Yeah, 2 a.m. our coverage begins, so you better get some sleep um, some stage on Sunday <laughs> afternoon, mate. All the best. We'll enjoy it. Enjoy it. Thanks, Smitty. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Grant Elliott there, of course, uh, the man who propelled us to a World Cup final with that magnificent uh, piece of action at Eden Park. A great innings that was under pressure. And that's the kind of thing we're going to have to look at to uh, performing under pressure. Uh, so, yep, it's, it's getting closer. Um, it, uh, it didn't look like lightly after we lost to Pakistan, but we've made a, a great progression throughout this tournament. We fully deserve to be in the final. But 
It's against the old foe. 9.45 here on SENZ. More text shortly. You're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold her. Know when to fold her. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Shock, horror, probe. We got two in a row. The Bulls beat Mavericks at $1.59. The West Indies women beat Pakistan at $1.51. And yes, as we know, Australia got up to beat Pakistan in the cricket at $1.87. $4.90 if you followed that one. Very much a rugby one this weekend, uh, and it goes the course of the weekend as well. Hawks Bay to beat Tasman at $1.51. South Canterbury to beat Thames Valley at $1.33. Manawatu, this is the swing of this one. Manawatu to beat Otago. They're outsiders, uh, the Green and Whites. That's $2.30. Argentina to beat Italy, surely at $1.28. And South Africa to beat Scotland, surely at $1.38. Uh, multi that up. Multi that up. It's $8.16. Total rugby. A total rugby multi this weekend. After the break, we're going to be talking to the CEO of the Warriors, Cameron George. Since the last time we spoke to him, so much has happened. And where's his allegiance come this cricket final? Where is his allegiance, really? We'll get a take on that as well. Coming up at 10 o'clock, Trudy with you. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Well, it's 10.03 here, uh, New Zealand time. I hope you're having a, a great morning leading into a very busy sporting weekend. Uh, we're going to enlighten it now, especially if you're a Warriors fan and league fans, because... Uh, we've got Cameron George on the line from uh, Australia, and uh, I guess he's very frustrated he can't be home. Hopefully he can uh, get back with his great family very shortly, but uh, it's been a busy time. We're not, not so much on the field. It's really the time when Cameron George is super busy, uh, changing uh, coaches, player signings, recruitment managers, all sorts of things that's been going on. It's been busy. So uh, here's uh, Cameron George with us. Uh, and uh, first of all, Cameron... Can we start with the NRL transfer system? Uh, it, it opens on, well, it did open on November the 1st to sign players, not for next year, but for 2023. For the man sitting outside, that seems just a little bit weird. Do you find it that way, or is it just traditional? Yeah, it is a bit weird, Smitty. Um, you know, when, when you sit down and talk to someone on 1 November, effectively 12 months out, and they're, you know, they're employed by someone else in the meantime, that's um, training hard to beat you in your former relationship with them. It's quite, it is a bit challenging. Uh, and it's challenging when you talk to the players. Um, you know, they've got to think 12 months ahead. A lot can happen in that period of time with both rosters, where they're at, and where, we're, where we're at at the present time. So, look, it is what it is. Um, there, are, there is some talk about a draft system coming into play during the course of the year, but, um, you know, we'll leave that to the NRL. So when you sit down and try and get these guys, are you actually dealing with them in person or are we doing agent stuff here all the time? Uh, it's important you do it you know, with the player as well. Like the, At the end of the day, you've got to form that relationship and connection with the player. The agents, as you well know, they, they sort of complete the deal with the, with the paperwork and the negotiations. But the most important thing is you understand the person you're dealing with because at the end of the day, they're the ones going to give their reward for your club, your jumper, your brand and the fans. And, um, you know, you need to understand that person more so than anything before you talk to the agent. So for us, uh, it's been a lot of Zooms over the last you know, month or so. 
Um, and then you start to really sit down with the agents and not out a deal if you can get one done. On the eve of uh, the transfer window opening, of course, you lost uh, Peter O'Sullivan, who's been uh, doing the job for you for a while. So you had to think pretty quickly on your feet there. That was a bit of a knockback. <laughs> yeah, it was. Look, it's like losing a, you know, your chief financial advisor uh, two days before your audit. But um, look, at the end of the day, it's, it was an opportunity Sully wanted to take up and, and, and go to Redcliffe and build that club. And good luck to himself. Um, but yeah, the timing of it wasn't perfect, but it was what it was, and we just had to get on with it. So I picked up the bat and so to speak, and started ringing around, making phone calls, and trying to do some deals and. Uh, it's been an interesting 10 days or so, and then we've, you know, restructured our, our footy department to, um, you know, to fill that void, and we've got a really good uh, really good setup now, and we're welcoming back our, our legend in Stacey Jones to the coaching ranks. Yeah, that's a, a really cool signing, uh, especially from uh, the image of the club, because there's very few more popular than Stacey Jones around the place. How, how long have you managed to secure uh, Stacey Jones for? We've got him for a few years. For the last 12 months, we've really, had him working in the development pathways. We've invested really heavily in that space in our absence from New Zealand. Um, so I spoke to him about uh, three weeks ago, and um, then well, I sort of got a little bit of an idea that Sully may have been looking at something, and then uh, it all happened pretty quick over the last week, and he, he and Sean Johnson fly out on Monday uh, to do two weeks quarantine, and... They'll join the squad early December. So very excited about Stacey. He's a really capable coach. Uh, I'm hopeful he'll be the next Kiwi coach um, and mm. you know stay with our club in the coaching ranks for a long time. He's capable. He's a good guy, as you know, and um, he brings a lot to our squad, um, particularly to have that promote from within ability uh, with him and Slade Griffin. And we just promoted some strength and conditioning guys that have been working with our, our kids uh, for a long time. So... Really keen bringing all the Kiwis through. It's exciting. Yeah, I think it's really important you have a, a guy like that or a face like that who's so synonymous with your club, particularly when you have players coming and going. I, I think it, it helps to sort of maintain the image of the club in some sort of weird way. Yeah, you're right. Um, Stacey, you know, he likes his time and mentoring. He was doing some work for us, but unfortunately the COVID thing, that, that sort of just pulled up for the time being. But they're so special... Um, in regards to you know what they created in the past, but to have them a part of the future is really important. And it's amazing how many of the young kids coming through the system still know who Stacey Jones is and what he did and how good he was. And and, and you want those you know those young players getting to experience working alongside Stacey. They can be really influential and they can really inspire them. So um, Stacey's a great asset to our club. Let's look at uh, what you have managed to to pull off so far. Um, with your recru- recruitment ranks. You've signed uh, Eels back rower Marata Niakure on a four-year deal with uh, around $2.5 million. And, uh, of course, here's the Warriors player coming back to the club. Yeah, very special talent, Murata. Um And I'll tell you what, Smith, uh, you know, one day when you talk to him, you'll find out he's a very special kid. He's um, very impressive. He, you know, left our club after being in the under-20s and went to Sydney and Look, he's developed. He's, he went, he went uh, as a single man, and he's uh, he's come back with a family, and he's grown and developed to a 25-year-old. He's played a lot of NRL now, and he's a winner. He's aggressive. He's um, he's he knows what it's all about, and 
he just wants to come home to New Zealand and win that first premiership for the Warriors. And he's really impressive with his vision around what he wants to do and achieve by coming home. So very excited about that. Um, and being a long-term deal gives us really good stability around some critical positions. What's the situation with uh, Sharks 5'8", uh, Luke Metcalf? Uh, we're hearing you've got him, uh, although uh, the Sydney club are trying to get him to backflip on the, on any arrangements. So what, what's the situation with Luke? Yeah, watch his face. Um, yeah, we, 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 we understand that uh, a club in Sydney are uh, trying to... Um, now, trying to speak to Luke about that option. Um, look, I spoke to Luke last night, and uh, as I said, I think Smitty, um, you know, you and I can just watch his space over the next 24 hours, but Luke would be an, an outstanding acquisition for our club. He's a young footy player with speed. Um, he's a terrific kid. He's very impressive. When you talk to him about the game of rugby league, he knows what he wants, he knows where he wants to go, and he sees that opportunity with us. And... Um, he really complements what we have, um, and there's one thing you need in the game this day and age with the change of rules is, is speed and versatility, and he's got it all. So um, hopefully we have all that tied up very, very shortly, and uh, we can just get on with our business. Cameron, there was uh, speculation about uh, the hunt for Joseph Manu, but I'm, as we speak, I've, I've just been reading an article on stuff over here that says he's uh, pretty much committed to staying with the Roosters. Is that the case? Yeah, look, we, we did speak to Joey, and why wouldn't you? Um, you know, he's a Kiwi, uh, obviously got a great CV around rugby league and, and, and um, off the field he's very impressive as well. And uh, we had a general chat to Joey and his manager, Pete Brown, and, you know, they were really respectful and appreciative of the opportunity to talk to us. Um, however, you, you know, you, you just knew that it was a big challenge to get Joey to move away from the Roosters. He's been there since he's 15, he's had success, and... You know, that, that goes to show the type of club they are as well. So great respect to Joey and Pete and the way they manage it. Um, but, you know, I understand he's certainly be staying there or, or definitely not coming to us anyway. But um, there's always a throw at the stumps that we wanted to have. But, you know, it's hard to get you know, those players out of a, a club like the Roosters. Just finally on the personnel, uh, Cameron, uh, the name Brandon Smith has been bandied around a wee bit as well. And, uh, Warriors fans have been calling for him to return home. Uh, uh, have you made any progress there? Oh, mate, I saw him yesterday, actually. Um, he's here in the... He's at Redcliffe doing a tour. He's been he's been to all the Queensland clubs and I think he's off to the Roosters for a tour as well uh, today or tomorrow. Um, look, we, uh, the way our squad's balanced uh, with, the, with the salary cap, um, you know, there's pretty big numbers I'm hearing floating around around him and thoroughly deserved, but not for us at this point in time, Smitty. It's not to say things mightn't change over the next week or two, but um, you know, at this point in time, you know, our stock and our, the way our balance of our, our roster is and salary cap is, it probably just doesn't fit at the moment. But um, I think he's got pretty good deals and pretty big deals at that on the table, and uh, they certainly wouldn't be at our level. Let's talk to the logistics now because it's always a changing thing, Cameron. I'd don't envy you the task of getting people from A to B and getting bases set up, etc. But at this point, it's looking like five games at Mount Smart beginning on June the 18th against the Panthers. Uh, how confident, I mean, and that's a weird sort of question, I guess. Uh, how hopeful are you that that's going to happen? Oh, very hopeful. I'm just, I've actually got a good feeling about this one. Uh, last year, I was, you know, I think we're all sitting there, there's too much happening for 
for us to travel overseas. But I, I just get a point. Uh, I just get a feel that you know this time I think we're heading in the right direction. Fingers crossed. Um, if it's round in June or whatever it is, um, you know we're excited about it. Uh, we planned it that way so we've got confidence in the in the uh, the travel and so on. So um, let's hope let's hope it happens because that's exactly what we want. Um, and it's only coming down to one thing, and that'll be the the borders, and that's out of our control. But uh, I can tell you, our players and 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 footy club want to be back home, and we just need to start the season well, go home and sell out and have a big party. When can Nathan Brown get his squad together? Where 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 and when will that all start to come to play? So we started training last Monday. Um, we've still got a few players that can't get over the border from New South Wales. Um, you know, we'll work through that. But we've got 90% of our squad here. Uh, they'll start to gradually come in over the next month, Smithy, uh, at a return to training um, program. And very happy with the way the squad has come back, which is really important. Um, they've come back in a really good frame of mind. We've done a lot of work around our cultural connection back to New Zealand in the off-season. And we're, we've got a program in place that's going to be very strong in that regard. As well, we've got a few new faces in the strength and conditioning area. That's good voices, and you know, a difference to what we had last year. And um, you know, everyone's sort of up on their toes at the moment. But mind you, we everyone is. We haven't been beaten yet, so uh, you know, everyone's happy. <laughs> I would imagine just away from rugby league, a couple of questions for you. Uh, you've loaded your pockets on uh, McDonald and Waller over the course of spring. I would imagine. Oh, what about that? How impressive is it the way the New Zealand industry has such an influence over, you know, the world stage, not only there, but Hong Kong and so on. But what a terrific effort for Chris Waller and, and you know, in particular, James McDonald. But, um, you know, the, the industry in New Zealand in general should be proud of those two guys. They're, they're great ambassadors for the country. And, you know, it's not going to stop there either. Um, and there's even a lot of owners in those horses from New Zealand. So it's, it's just fantastic to see. Actually, I've completely forgotten. I should have written this down, actually, because it's such a big topic and you're heavily involved, I imagine, in trying to sort through this vaccination and the NRL thing and the Warriors. Has it been much of an issue for you guys to have to deal with in a one-on-one basis or are you sort of on the same wavelength here? Well, we're all on the same wavelength. We don't go into the detail of individuals. It's something our club decided not to do. Um, but, look, it, it, it's yesterday the Queensland government announced that all stadiums um, for sporting purposes, uh, in reference to us and other, other sporting clubs, can't participate at a ground um, that's owned by the government without being vaccinated. So that's whether you're official or player or some other type of role you play. So they're starting to really restrict where you can go from a sporting perspective if you are not vaccinated. So, look, everyone's aware of that. We're working through all of that, but we're, we're pretty comfortable where we're at here without going into the detail. And just finally, um, you will know now Australia v New Zealand, um, and that is, of course, in the T20 World Cup final. Uh, this is a big question. Where are your allegiances, please, Cameron? New Zealand, New Zealand every day of the week, mate. Absolutely. That's my home. Uh, you know, I'm a part of the New Zealand Warriors, and I get to talk to people like you, mate, so... I um <laughs> I'm back in the I'm back in the boys to beat the uh the Australians.
Good on you, mate. Always great to catch up. It's been a while, so hopefully you can get home with your family and and spend some valuable time with them as well, mate, because I know you're missing them. So uh, thank you. Thank you for the update. Cheers. All the best. Cheers. Cameron George there, folks, uh, CEO of the Warriors, uh, and, of course, um, plenty on his plate, as always, uh, running a club of that nature, but so much more difficult uh, with the logistics of things at the moment. Wouldn't be great just to know that in two weeks' time you're going to play a home game and then two weeks after that another home game and you can get into some sort of rhythm and routine. That's just the administration side of it, uh, let alone the playing side of it. Uh, yeah, wouldn't that be good to sleep in your own bed as a player and be able to play a full NRL season? Hmm, what a dream that is. Uh, 10.18 here on SENZ. When we come back, we've got a panel for you this morning consisting of Jeff McTainch and Hugh Bainan. Yeah. yeah, we've got uh, Jeff McTainch, uh, of course, and Hugh Bainan on the panel this morning. So uh, with those two men and their knowledge, we can cover a wide range of skills, and we will. Just before I get to Jeff McTainch, I can tell you that Stephen Elker has just parred the 16th. Uh, he's five under, one shot behind Kirk Triplett. That's in the $2.5 million Charles Swab end-of-year tournament. So uh, I guess we could start on that, Jeff McTainch. I don't know if you follow your golf, but... How good is golf going for us at the moment? Mate, it's so good to see. Uh, the other day, uh, Steve and, and Lydia do so well for New Zealand on the world stage. Uh, the Champions Tour is a great uh, concept, and, and uh, I think it's fantastic. You know, Steve Elk has always been a talented golfer, but it's just one of those sports, isn't it, mate, where it doesn't matter how old you are, you can find a purple patch uh, of form, and he sure has. And I didn't know that that was the prize money, but two and a half mil... Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind playing on the playing on the champions tour. Yeah, he got he got four and a half million, uh, four and, uh, four and a half million. They played for two million last week. He got four hundred fifty thousand. Mm. So it's banking up. It's going well for him. So that's cool. Uh, Hugh Bainan, what have you made to? Uh, we're getting to um, a decent part of the NBA season as well. Um, and how have you felt about Stephen Adams and the Grizzlies? How have they come together as a relationship? Morning, guys. Hey, don't forget Danny Lee in that golfing as well, you know, getting, getting his oh, car yeah, back yeah. as well for the PGA Tour, which is awesome. Um, yeah, the NBA season's been a really interesting one. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, back to Golden State Warriors' ways of a few years ago. I think they're ranked number one offense, ranked number two defense, so just way out in front of everyone right at the moment, which is good to see. Uh, with the Grizz, I think they currently have the worst ranked defense in the league. Uh, Memphis sitting eighth at the moment in the Western Conference. Six and five, so, you know, middle of the pack as it goes. Uh, and from what I've seen, you know, Steve, they're going to want more from him on the defensive end. You know, we've, we've spoken a few times, Smithy, about how he's that old school kind of centre uh, and the way the game is played. It's a lot more played outside the three-point arc now. So he'll be, uh, you know, wanting to up the at least the physicality and the rebound numbers down low. But offensively, I think they're using him quite nicely. And the, those relationships between the new player and, and team as we're seeing around the league... I guess the big one right now is Russell Westbrook and the Lakers. How are they going to hold hands as the season goes? We'll, we'll see that with Stephen Adams as well. With the Grizzlies, I, I maintain it's still a really good place for him to be. Russell Westbrook and anyone, really, isn't it, Hugh? Yeah. How difficult is this fellow? Well, seemingly pretty hard to deal with, right? And we've seen this throughout his career. I mean, that when he was with the, with the Thunder, when he had Durant and Harden, Harden left, and then Durant left, and for all his numbers, and that's not, you know, he's a phenomenal basketball player, averaged a triple-double over three seasons, is just unreal, but did it help his team? It's one of those sports where, um, you know, you can have all the numbers you want for one player, but it doesn't always lead to wins, 
tell you, though, it's a team sport for a reason. There's five blokes on the court for a reason. Uh, and we're going to see that it's different now without LeBron right now. So when LeBron's back and fully healthy and firing, it will become his team again. And then it's up to Russell Westbrook to adapt. Um, but, yeah, I worry for the Lakers if LeBron's not on the court because then Westbrook goes into full rust mode, um, which I'm not sure is conducive to winning basketball anymore. No, it's not. And it, it, right, he, he wouldn't know what the definition of team was, Russell Westbrook, in my mind anyway. Uh, someone who uh, will know the definition of uh, team, Jeff McTainch, is uh, Devin Conway, and right now he'll be feeling as he's let them down. Yeah, it's a shame, a real shame to Devin uh, Conway. Look, he's had such a great start to his you know, international career with New Zealand, and I mean, I, I saw that this morning, mate, and I just thought, look, that's, and as you know well, that's the nature of, of tournament sport like this. You know, these things are going to happen. That happened at the start of the tournament with Lockie Ferguson, Obviously, um, ironically, Tim Seifert came in for that game against Pakistan. Looks like he'll come back in. But um, I think the one thing with this New Zealand team, stemming right back to that 2015 World Cup against Australia, that final, is, is that the thing I think that has, has set them apart recently is they've learned to deal with adversity. Um, watching that semi-final against England, part of me when Gupta went out and then when Kane followed, I thought, oh, here we go, here we go. But yeah, pleasantly surprised that, you know, there's a team that has a newfound belief and Nisham came in and, and whacked the cover off it. So um, it's a shame for Devin, but I think too it's an opportunity for, for Tim, you know, to come back in and and go, hey, you know, um, obviously Adam had to come in because Lockie was injured, but uh, it, it, we know he's a firecracker with the bat. Um, so I, I think, as I say, this is a team that can deal with that and um, uh, just a real shame for Devin. Um, he was playing so well. Where are your confidence levels, Hugh? Well, first of all, I feel terrible for Devin Conway. I think we've all been in those moments in life where you do something out of emotion and immediately regret it. And uh, whether how big or small it is, you know, you, you break something in your house or whatever, because you whatever. And just so happened, he breaks his hand and has to miss a World Cup final. Like, I just felt so bad for him when I when it came out that he'd broken his hand. I was like, oh, mate, I know how you feel, but on a much smaller scale. Um, so, yeah, I felt terrible for him. Confidence levels are, as they always are with T20, Smithy, completely up in the air. Who knows what's going to happen? Whoever turns up and plays better on the day will win. It's just like sport for that perfect fan moment of, I'm going to sit down and watch this, and I have no idea who's going to win. And sometimes you don't like that as a fan. You know, you probably ask if you're all black fans, you probably don't like that feeling. But with, it, with cricket, with the black caps, I love it with T20. And sit down and say, I don't know who's going to win, you know? And I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the drama as it unfolds. So um, confidence levels don't really matter, uh, but I'm excited to sit down and watch it. What about you, Jeff? Uh, I, I like to think I'm confident, um, but I, I also know it's Australia. Yeah, well, look, I... After that England performance, as I said, the fact that uh, I was worried when when, uh, when the batting was a bit shaky at the start, my confidence levels are good. I think, as I say, there's a newfound steel in this team. Um, and, you know, it's it's on display every game with this Black Caps team. So they're going to want to put it to this Australian side. But it's the deal with the Australian team. I mean, you've got the likes of Mitchell Stark, you know, Josh Hazelwood steaming in and and Matthew Wade played so well against Pakistan. It's a, it's a well-balanced team. It's going to be a heck of a final, and uh, I just think it might go in favour of the Black Caps this time. 
I hope you're right. I certainly hope you're right. Uh, it's 10.30 here on SENZ. Please stay with us. Got some rugby matters to deal with after the news with Trudy. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Jeff McTainch, Hugh Bainham with us this morning. Uh, they are the members of the panel. And uh, Hugh Bainham, I saw a lovely photo. I think it was on, might have been on Facebook anyway, of uh, Alan Wynne-Jones getting an OBE. Uh, from Prince William, which would have made you exceedingly proud. Um, so it was a shame he, I haven't spoken to you since uh, that test, but he, he, he limped off or went off with a shoulder injury. But uh, Wales did okay, I guess. What, what are you thinking about this weekend with uh, All Blacks and Ireland? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one, Smitty. Um, yeah, we weren't too far away, I think, when we spoke about that Welsh side. We, we said we competed for 45 minutes and then just didn't have the depth, and that's pretty much what happened there. Um, with this Ireland game, I think it's going to be a ripper. I mean, what is it, the first of four games between the All Blacks and Ireland over the next 12 months? So there's a little, little bit of narrative to it as well, a start of a bit of narrative to it, which is great. Um, Ireland have gone for consistency, as we just heard on the news, just Ian Henderson coming in, the British and Irish Lions lock. So no slouch bringing him into the team that beat Japan. Um, so I think it's going to be great. I, I also like the All Black side a lot. Um, how do you look at it? You know, it's... it's uh, we spoke a few weeks ago, didn't we, about this would be the big one of who's going to be starting at 10 while Bodie got the nod, which I'm happy with. I prefer to see Rico Ioani in Rico Ioani's normal position, uh, not so much in the midfield. I was quite enjoying the, you know, the David Harvillian and some Leonard Brown uh, midfield, but hey, who am I to question the All-Bats coaches? They don't often do too much wrong, so I'm looking forward to seeing that and watching this one. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, really to watching both sides. Jeff, because there's certainly a, a real New Zealand flavour. And uh, who would have thought um, maybe three or four months ago that Jamison Gibson Park, who struggled to really get it uh, to any great level here in New Zealand, although being useful, would displace Connor Murray in a starting lineup for Ireland against the All Blacks? Yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it, the different. Oh, sorry, sorry, Jeff. Yeah, just shows. Sorry, just just coming here because of the. Um, because of uh, seeing this happen a few times with Kiwis head over to Wales and play Hadley Parks, for example, who could barely get a super rugby job over here, went on to have a really good career, you know, playing for Wales. And, and uh, it just shows you a different a change of style, a change of coaching, a change of location, maturity that often these players had over later in their career, uh, and, and it can lead to, uh, to a really good international career. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one, Jeff, for me, isn't it? Because um, Bundy, our Kiwi, know he's been around there for uh, a little while. Uh, of course, but this uh, this story, uh, James Lowe, of course, we've seen there too. But Jamison Gibson Park is the is the real issue for me here because his battle with TJ Perrin, they probably know each other pretty well. Actually, will be crucial. Exactly, mate. It's a great story, um, and, and it's it's one of hard work and and, and taking opportunities. And, and TJ Perinato, who you mentioned, um, I think I saw him the other day um, over there, just saying how much of a talent. Uh, Jamison Gibson Park is and um, you know out of Gibson Boys High School you know went on and played for Taranaki and, and Super Rugby at the Blues and Hurricanes and, and then a, a great career at, uh, at, at Leinster so um, as you said it, it's a guy who's, who's gone over taking his chances and his pairing with Sexton's going to be massive but I, I honestly think it's going to be one as it always is up front it's a, a hell of a tight five the All Blacks um, have put together. Um, obviously, Brody Retallick and, and Sam Whitelock bearing again. That front row's been very impressed. Been very impressed with uh, Nico Lalala at tight head, and and uh, and that loose trio for the for the All Blacks is um, 
is, is crazy good. Um, Ethan Blackout is playing some superb rugby. Dalton Popolese coming back to his best form. And, and I agree with you, I think. Um, uh, it's great to see some consistency at 10 now and, and, um, and giving the nod to, to Bowden. Um, Rico Ioane, I, I think he's shown his versatility, hasn't he? Um, but this is an opportunity for him uh, and a, a reasonably familiar pairing with Anton to, um, to show us what he can do again. Um, we know how he can break the game open, and if he does do that and has a day, um, it's quite a back three that they've got there as well. Interesting, uh, Hugh Bainan, isn't it? Because uh, I've I got a feeling it doesn't matter how well TJ Perinara goes or Finlay Christie off the bench, I think the following week against France, Aaron Smith just starts, doesn't he? It seems that way, right? Otherwise, why why would the call up? Um, I'm not against that. Again, I you know in the same way I'm you know I think Budden Barrett should be at ten. I also think Aaron Smith should be at nine. But yeah, I wonder what it is like around camp with with, the, with that news and and stuff. But yeah, it, it is an interesting one. Keep your depth open. You know, some one of them could get hurt this weekend. You never know. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. So it look, certainly looks that way. Well, Jeff McTainch, it's the MPC semi-final weekend. So uh, let's look at the matchups there uh, and your opinion, please, on Canterbury, Waikato and Hawke's Bay and Tasman. Interesting one, mate. Um, I think Canterbury have been hitting, you know, some reasonably good form last couple of weeks. And, and you know, Reuben Thorne will have reminded them, you know, um, sort of where they, where they stand in the, in, in, the, uh, in the history books in New Zealand rugby. They're starting to come right and... Um, I just like the, the forward pack they've got there at the moment. You know, Jaeger, McAllister, Brown, Romano has, has had quite a season, I think, showing his wares as a former all-black test lock and, and just showing his ability to, to drive them around at set piece. Um, you know, Donaldson and, and Fergus Burke, uh, I, th- I think, have, have formed a reasonably good pairing. Um, I think Fergus has started to, you know, come into his own a wee bit more this year. And, and that uh, the back three that they've got could be the difference uh, for that Canterbury side this week, um, Wasaki Naolo, Shaitiaki, and and Mata Ali, I think that could be um, what sets them apart. Um, uh, Waikato, um, yeah, I, I just I think maybe uh, this this might be a step too far for them. Yeah, they've got some talent, and we've seen it this year with you know Liam Coombs fabling what top of the try scoring list, um, and young young five eight Leuila there too is um, it's controlled them okay, but it's a, it's a different story when you're playing against Canterbury in, uh, in semi-final rugby. Tasman, Hawks, Bay, mate. Now, that's going to be a cracker. Um, I think that, uh, that Tasman have, have probably played within themselves a little bit this year. Um, I mean, Hawks, Bay have only lost the one game to Taranaki in the opening round, and they beat them in the Ranfilly Shield, the Marcos, but um, it's going to be one heck of a game. And I, just, I just think Hawks, Bay at home are going to be too good. OK. Uh, that gives me uh, the chance to ask you, Hugh, about the championship, although there is no uh, promotion, uh, you desperately still want to win it. Uh, so Taranaki uh, Southland, and tonight Otago visiting Manawatu. How would you see those two going? Yeah, first of all, great to see Manawatu, the Turbos. You know, I spent some of my formative years as a teenager in Palmerston <laughs> North. Great to see them back with the first home semi-final since 2014. That's great for for the Turbos. Um, I'll start with that. Taranaki game, all, I mean, all signs lead to Taranaki winning that, right? They've doubled their win tally from the past two years. They've been on a tear. They're using that no promotion 
uh, slight as they're taking it uh, as motivation, I think, as well. Um, so, I mean, it'd be great to see South in there as well. You think just a few years ago, it's many where they went and had that ridiculous record of however many years without even winning a game. Mm. Um, so to see them in the semi-final is great, but I, I see the, the necky getting up over there. And my heart's going to go with the turbos, of course, over Otago, but that's going to be the tougher one to call, I think, between those two. So similar to uh, as Jeff's gone with, with the Bay having the home advantage, I'll go for the, the turbos with the home advantage in that one. And, of course, we, um, we, we can't uh, finish on the rugby note without uh, talking, uh, Jeff, about the Black Ferns. This has all of a sudden uh, become a bit of a must for Glenn Moore and his group, the first two weeks, no good. Uh, they can't lose to France, surely. Yeah, mate, I, I think what Glenn's doing here is he's taking a holistic approach, and, and he kind of has to. I mean, they were well beaten. They haven't, haven't played rugby for, was it, 28 months together as a team. So um, whilst those two test defeats were disappointing against the Roses, I, I don't think it was necessarily a surprise. And we need to temper that expectation, I think, as well, um, when they head into a World Cup next year. But... It's an unpredictable front side. I like the fact that they've brought Kelly Brazier back. Uh, she comes back this week from injury uh, to start at 12, so they've got the double uh, playmaker option there with uh, Ruahe DeMont at, at 10 and, and the experience of Kendra Coxedge at 9. I, I like that. Um, it's a shame with, um, with Grace Booker being out injured. Um, but they've got some talent uh, as well with uh, you know, Mikaeli Tu and the number uh, 8 jersey, Lana Mikaeli Tu, she's been impressive. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Glenn, Glenn Moore said he's named this side based on that un- unpredictable nature of France. Um, they'll be hurting after last week, and I think we'll see a better performance from the Black Ferns uh, against the French. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Hugh Bain and Jeff McTainch with us this morning. Massive weekend of sport uh, involving New Zealand sides uh, to the fore, actually, and uh, hopefully with the, it'll be a successful one as well, particularly, particularly Monday morning against Australia. So uh, thanks, gents, for your time this morning. Uh, we look forward to that and catching up with you again shortly. 10.42 here uh, on SENZ, and uh, when we return, you've been very busy on the text machine, and we'll read them out. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Bezzy's and Izzy's radio frequencies. It's Bezzy's and Izzy's radio frequencies. She walks real slow. Wow, did you get that? Did you get that? Did you get who it was? I didn't. Someone in serious pain. But anyway, Baz and Izzy are putting the spotlight. On some of SENZ's radio frequencies, starting with Auckland. Now, Auckland's frequency is 1476 AM, so we're giving you the chance to win $1,476 with Baz and Izzy's radio frequencies. It's easy. Every day at 8 o'clock, be the nominated caller through on 0800 150 It's 0800 150 And uh, we've got 10 questions for everyone you get correct you will win $14.76. And get all 10 correct, you'll win $1,476 in total. Get one wrong and it's game over, but you'll still win $14.76 for each one you get correct. And to make it even easier for you, here's the thing. Right across the day with Baz and Izzy, us, Staffy, Kirsten Beef, um, and also, of course, Ricky, when she's here, will give you five of the answers. Five of the answers they're going to give you. So we're basically giving... You $14.76 
every time we give you an answer. So here is the answer to question number three, which will be which horse won the New Zealand Trotting Cup? And that was, of course, copy that. So mark that down for question three, copy that, and we've just gifted you $14.76. Uh, more answers right across the day, and then listen to Baz and Izzy at 8 o'clock on Monday for your chance to win the big one, 1476 bucks. It's a cool competition. Wish I could be part of it. Okay, right. Let's uh, look at some of the, the texts that have come in. Uh, Zane says, I, I really only remember back as far as 1987, the Rugby World Cup. Since then, we've had some really solid lock and locking combinations, such as Pearson Wetton, uh, Jack, and Williams. However, for me... Uh, Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock are the best we've had. They will have a huge hole when they eventually retire, so we should uh, enjoy what they bring to the team and while they are still in the game. I couldn't agree more, uh, Zane. They are, I think, uh, when you look at the combined test matches, coming up to uh, 200 test matches between them, simply outstanding. Their longevity, their fitness, etc., has been brilliant the whole way through. Uh, Richard says, hopefully Conway ready for the test in India. Uh, that would be a massive loss, Smithy. Well, my understanding is uh, the hand is broken, so uh, he won't even be going to India. Uh, he would just be coming straight home, I would think. Broken hand, batting, doesn't sort of go together too well. So he's going to miss out on that as well. Morning, Smithy. This is from uh, Jeff the Ref, a regular man. If Guptill fires and gives us a bloody good start with the runs on the board and Kane's there at the death with uh, Daryl uh, and Jimmy, uh, he's got confidence. If the Kiwi bowlers can suffocate the Aussie batters, we will beat the Aussies. Jeff, uh, I think you are hoping for the very best there, but uh, I like your confidence. You also say All Blacks 32, Ireland 19. Very good. Okay, that would be a, a nice margin of victory, just in the 13-plus bracket. Uh, Nia Corey is a good player, but um, the Warriors may have paid massive overs for him, says Jason. Uh, he said, no wonder they never do well. Well, we'll see. Uh, but it sounds like he's locked in for the long haul. And that is, that is uh, according to Cameron George, who we've just had on before. Louis Herman Watt, uh, and uh, we'll visit the TAB, where I believe we're talking to Thad Taylor, the boss, this morning. Uh, I call him the boss anyway. He seems to have the senior status. It's uh, 10.51. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt uh, the, uh, comes with us uh, with tomorrow, the uh, New Zealand Cup, uh, meaning the end of uh, this carnival down south. Uh, they're racing as well today at Awapuni. Favourite for the Cup tomorrow, though, Johnny Wheeler. Uh, and bodes well, Louis. Yeah. That's very well pointed out, Smithy. Bodes well. Johnny Wheeler, he knows how to uh, prepare a staying type, doesn't he? I think I've told you previously, though, that I'm not with him. Um, I'm not backing him, and I'm still not backing him. Sam Weatherly, look, a, a nice enough weight, 54 and a half. He's going to be right in the mix. He's going to see it out. He'll, he'll go well. John will have him on the train to the minute. So I still just think, and especially at the prices, $4 versus $6, I still think Lincoln King has to be the one to beat for me. I just thought his performance last weekend will have him absolutely spot on. I have no qualms about the distance because he ran second in this race last year. Danielle Johnson retains the ride. So the $6 price for Lincoln King versus $4 price for Bodes Well, over 3200 Similar draws, 
similar sort of right. Well, Danielle Johnson. Now, Sam Weatherly's a very good rider, but, you know, Danielle Johnson's a Group 1 jockey. Not that Sam isn't, necessarily. I just think, for me, especially the each-way price, ten or thirty a place, Lincoln King is the one. Smithy in the guineas. I'm with, there you go. There you go. A thousand guineas on with Tony Pike, and there you go over the favoured Tiakau uh, runners. Okay, we'll leave it at there, Louis. Thank you very much for that, and uh, we'll head across to the captain of the bookies, uh, and what a title that is, Thad Taylor. Uh, good morning to you, Thad, uh, representing the TAB. Man, what a busy week you've had. It's been pretty dead on course, to be fair. I was down there a couple of days, mate, but I'm, I'm pretty sure at your outlets it hasn't been. <laughs> no, anything but dead, Smithy. Uh, good morning to you. Yeah, absolutely. In the depths of Cup Week, and look, it's been as popular as ever from a betting perspective. Obviously, we haven't had those big days down in Christchurch, and that's a shame. But um, look, there's been a lot of action hot on the track. Tiakau on the galloping track. All Stars is back with Bird and Rasmussen uh, on the trotting track. And uh, and uh, we've got a bit of cricket and rugby to look forward to this weekend as well. You have, well, I would imagine, I'm not, I imagine you've framed the market. Well, have you framed the Aussies as favourites and the All Blacks as heavy favourites? Yeah, you did right. Australia, $1. seventy-five, Smithy. Uh, New Zealand, $2. So they're probably a touch closer than I thought. Uh, I thought Australia might have been mm. a fraction shorter with a bit of history on their side, potentially. And New Zealand, $2. But uh, look, key, uh, Kiwi customers cleaned up in the uh, semi-final when they could take $2.60 north or $2.60 against Pakistan. And they'll suggest they'll be climbing in again for the even money around New Zealand so yeah something to look forward to absolutely in the All Blacks of the year they're pretty short $1.22 Ireland $4 and uh, gee it looks a pretty juicy price on the eye I don't want to be uh, labelled a Judas Smithy of course but uh, what do they say yeah. happiness insurance maybe on the Irish at $4 All Blacks at $1.22 thanks very much Dad have a great weekend mate I know you'll be busy but enjoy it if you can it's 11 o'clock here on SCNZ. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for Sport. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, it's 11.03 here on SCNZ, and uh, to be fair, over the last uh, four months or so that this show's been going, uh, we've had some great people on, some great guests and some quality individuals but men who have and women who have achieved so much in this sport and uh, right here and now I've uh, got on the line uh, from Australia uh, a bloke I, who I regard as uh, right up there in that league he's the greatest wicketkeeper batsman of all time without doubt uh, he's one of three players I believe who have changed the face of cricket in the modern era uh, because he what he did as a batsman as well as what he did as a glovers man. I don't need to give him any further introduction because his head will be swelling. I can see it on the other side of Australia right here and now. Uh, but it's uh, a really good morning to uh, a good friend and colleague of mine, uh, Adam Gilchrist. Uh, Gilly, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're one of our brothers over there in Perth on the SEN network. Uh, just tell us, mate, And uh, really the, the two semi-finals mirrored each other. Unlikely run chases about three or four overs out. And look, here we are against you again. Yeah, yeah. G'day, Smithy, mate. Hey, thanks for the intro. I, I held my breath. I was waiting for the for the the, the pull down, the the bring down, and and <laughs> a little bit at the end there about telling me I have a swollen head. But I've got a sore head, mate, because I, I've exactly been um, you know out partying, but a lack of sleep. I've just a few hours, and it was tough to calm down as it would have been for you guys after your semi final. What a remarkable events, eh? What 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 sort of uh, 
I don't know, joy and excitement this format is bringing us when we all thought years ago it's not real cricket and how can this be and why is it so popular? Well, that was in a nutshell on, on the greatest stage uh, for this format, uh, two semi-finals that were just brilliant. It was, it was so exciting and, um, yeah, well done to, to both teams. And, gee, it gives, it gives you, you would have heard it, Smitty, because you've been in and around playing and, and broadcasting so many World Cups over the years, but you hear about this term tournament play. Do whatever you've got to do to get through the first phase of the tournament to get into the knockout stages and then it all starts again and you just never know in a two-horse race. So, well done to New Zealand and, uh, and, and the Aussies last night were, were unreal. It was. Uh, I, I want to focus in on, on your one in particular because, uh, you know, you've had a few players that, that really hadn't contributed a heck of a lot. Uh, you, you know, you've relied on, on the Warner aspect of it. Hazelwood's been brilliant. Zampa's been very good. But you've got some very big-name players who it looked like might not be a factor uh, until last night. Stoinis in particular and Wade, uh, two, uh, I won't say unlikely heroes because they're capable of doing it, but uh, they, they didn't show as if they were, were, were going to do it at that point, and I, I was pretty worried for you at that stage. Mate, I was, I was 30 seconds from hitting the off button and going in trying to get to sleep. <laughs> um, it was yeah. so close, but uh, you're right. And, and again, that's, that's tournament and team play or squad play, I guess. And uh, it's, it really is a, through a tournament like this, at some point, your depth of squad and your depth of selection and, and the, um, how, how precise that selection has been will be tested. And that was uh, tested right down to the, the almost the, the knockout blow last night for Australia. And Matt Wade and, and Marcus Stoinis, as, as you and, and many people know in New Zealand that do tune into the Big Bash, they typically ply their trade in this format up the top of the order. And when the ball's coming on, the field restrictions are in place and there's plenty of room you know, out in the outfield, but they they just looked so calm, didn't they? Stoinis looked so composed, as, as to Matty Wade. Uh, and then the trust, the work that you've been doing, I think that's probably where they'll be most pleased. That they were told they're not going to open the batting in this World Cup. They've known that probably for a good, you know, 18 months to two years. And uh, go away and, and just try and hone some skills in that middle order and lower order and learn how to finish a game. And that's, that's what Australian cricket hasn't had, a, a, a finisher or anyone that has consistently done it. Um, it doesn't matter now. They've done it in the big enough game, and now they get another crack on, on Sunday night. Gilly, what wins it? I mean, we talked about batting and run chasing here, but what, what in essence, wins T20 cricket? Is it, is it the, the skill of the batting, or is the accuracy of the bowling? What is the, what is the key between the two there? Yeah, uh, God, don't, you don't often sit back to to really analyse um, exactly what happens in T20 because it happens so quick. Um, I mean, I, I still, I really still believe that um, bowlers genuinely win the games of cricket. Batsmen set them up, uh, and and you know the, the batsmanship of of, uh, of Matt Wade last night and the creativity that that was probably what caught uh, Shaheen Sharafridi, who's bowled brilliantly through this tournament. That that just climbed into his mindset a bit. He didn't sort of change his plan, the bowler, and that was the creativity of the, of the batter. So, uh, but I think, looking at the two teams now that are in the final, uh, I think the New Zealand bowling has been absolutely outstanding, and it's a really well-balanced attack. 
and I think so too the Australian bowling has been, if you had to say which of the two facets of the game has been more on point through the tournament to this point, I think it would be the bowling as well, uh, with glimpses of the batting brilliance has shone through. So, yeah, I still think it, 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 probably in most formats, all three formats, batsmen, they can look like the glory boys and they, they get all the glory, but it's the hard-working bowls that win you the game for cricket. Gilly, take us inside the Australian camp. Um, I, I know you, you you know a lot of guys in this. In, in all honesty, uh, who would they have uh, been... I know they had to focus on the job to do, but now that they're playing New Zealand, it's the devil you, you sort of know a bit better, isn't it? And it, it's... Do you look at it as a big brother, little brother situation as we sort of look at it from this side of the Tasman? Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the, if, if the current group would would be able to do that, uh, just given, uh, particularly in this format, maybe in test cricket, there was still elements of that, wasn't there, a few years ago when when the um, the New Zealand team was over here and it was a 3-0 result and it, it sort of, Always, whilst it wasn't you know perfect cricket from the Aussies, it felt like they were probably flexing their muscles a little bit. But this format, I don't know that anyone can have that right to say that they're a more dominant team now and, and have a higher profile or place in cricket. I mean, New Zealand World Test champions probably should have been 50 over champions if, if the rubber the green goes their way and then possible chance to get the triple crown if they if they had done that on Sunday night. So. No, I, I think, and particularly now that the way that the players have played alongside each other and know each other, that oh, I think the level of respect there is there that each team knows how uh, how dangerous every other opponent is, and there's no real feeling. I, I, I suspect that's sort of diminished a little bit in that, in that regard, and I, I certainly don't think that the Australian team um, feel that it, it's a it's a lesser opponent compared to what could have been. Uh, even though England roughed up the Aussies pretty badly in their preliminary match, uh, I think they're very aware that um, you know New Zealand being in the same situation in their semi-final and they, they got through, um, people might say you got a little bit lucky, but you've still got to be in that position to give yourself a chance, and that's what good teams do. Gilly, we've lost Conway, Devin Conway, who we've only had for five minutes. He's made a hell of an impression with... Uh, with what he's done in all three forms of the game for us, actually, already. But uh, that's a massive uh, loss for us. And that keeping batting position is, uh, you use, um, as you say, you use way down the order, but a lot of sides use their keepers uh, a lot higher up for balance in the side. And uh, that will hurt us, we're picking. Oh, it, it will do, yeah. He has um, he's been terrific. To, to I mean, I, I don't know a huge amount. How much... Keeping had he had he done previously, Smithy, because what he's done in this tournament and the way he's made a fist of it, it he's been very impressive. Did he, did he have a, a, a much of a history with the gloves? Not a lot, no. Just just uh, yeah. a, a, a more of a dabbly side of things. Um, just been a yeah. specialist batsman and, and encouraged to you know to to add that to his to his bow, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, yeah, it is. Well, balance of teams. You ask about who wins the games. And, uh, overall balance, whether if you can, you know, squeeze an extra bowling option in there or an all-rounder option on the back of a guy that is an out-and-out batsman that uh, batter that can can put the gloves on. Um, yeah, that, that only adds to the strength of the of the squad. So, yeah, that's that's 
challenging and, and again, I keep going back to it's, that's the challenge of, of tournament play that inevitably you're going to find someone's going to fall over somewhere in that tournament and then, and then it draws on the depth of your, of your squad. But uh, So that's, it's a setback, but gee, it's an exciting matchup. I'm really, I just can't wait to see you know, that opening attack of Southie and Bolt challenging David Warner and Aaron Finch. I mean, Finchy cops one of the best deliveries he ever uh, last night. He does have a tendency to get that front pad in front of his stump, so I reckon Trent Bolt might be interested in that. And then, you know, Southie to Warner, that's just going to be a, a terrific matchup. I look forward to a number of those uh, those one-off battles, and I I, I, I kind of feel um, that this game these this game will be won by the the new ball. I, I think uh, Hazelwood Stark. I mean Stark has done terrible damage to New Zealand at the top of the order in big games before, and Hazelwood's been outstanding. I, I kind of think of you've you've mentioned that battle, but I, I think it's also uh, the other one the other one as well as that as to how we handle that initial burst. Yeah, initial burst, uh, really, well, I, I tend to agree, and I thought that was going to be certainly the case last night and, and probably in both semis, but last night, well, that, that first delivery that Finch got, copped, uh, got rid of him, but the, the, the sort of uh, the Pakistan opening partnership and then Australia after the fall, that first wicket, really negotiated that new ball very, very well, but, uh, but yeah, I think that the skills of the the various seamen quick bowls that you mentioned on both teams are exceptional, so that'll be challenging, but so too the spinners, I mean, Anish Sodi's been terrific, what about Zampa, if he gets a chance to bowl to Kane, I mean, he has, he, he, he has got him a couple of times, but, you know, Kane doesn't get tied down by too many, and, and not too many have a stranglehold on him, I'm not saying that Zampa's got that, but that's going to be fascinating to watch because Zampa really kept he kept Australia in the contest uh, at, in the field and, and the four overs he bowled. Um, and, you know, shut up Khan. His, his bowling was just exceptional last night too in a losing affair. So the spinners are certainly um, in the contest as well, even though that, that ball is going to be swinging around and, and uh, at the top of the innings. I look at the two captains, um, both very good leaders. I mean... A lot of people would say Australia could perhaps do without Finch uh, at the top of the order. They could probably find other batsmen or, or rotate the ones that they've got. But uh, Finch is a, a, an interesting, clearly quite a very good leader. Uh, and Williamson the same, uh, with very good reputations at getting the best out of their guys at the right time. Yeah, both really um, so highly respected, aren't they, uh, amongst their peers. And, and liked, just liked as people because they're great people, great guys. But, but really, really uh, clever with their bowling tactics, chain bowling changes when they're operating certain bowls. I think they've been exceptional in that regard. Probably the, the two standouts, Owen Morgan's uh, outstanding. Uh, he's got a really well-balanced attack at his disposal. But I think um, particularly Aaron Finch has been... Uh, the, the timing of when he's injected a certain bowler, there was possibly potential to uh, maybe go with Mitchell Stark for an extra over at the top last night with it swinging. That's always a horrible sort of wrestle that you have with yourself as captain in T20 cricket. Do you, do you try to capitalise on a ball that's got a little bit of movement in it? Because you know it's not going to be there for much more than four overs. But he, he chose last night by way of example of his um, uh, great strategy is to rest Stark 
use him in the middle uh, for one, which was an outstanding over, really stemmed the flow of runs in the middle of the uh, Pakistan innings. Um, and then he bowled one fantastic <laughs> at the end and then got clubbed right at the death, Starkey. But I think that, that just manipulating his bowls around really well is what um, Aaron Finch has done particularly well. And, and, and Kane's just so so balanced and sensible. He had, sort of uh, mirrors the, the, the same captaincy style across uh, in the New Zealand camp. Gilly, we just before we let you go, I know you've, you've got plenty on yourself this morning, so... Hey, mate, we can't let you go without talking about the Ashes. We're, we're, we're huge on it. We're, we're going to be big on it here. Um, I, I look forward to it as the great, one of the great clashes in sport, to be honest, right up there with the Ryder Cup for me. But uh, I, I look forward to this, and, and all of a sudden uh, it, it starts to become appealing because it's close, but England actually, after mucking around and everyone thinking, what are they going to send over, uh, I think it's going to be really good, a, a really, really good series. Where do you see it uh, being in the balance? I think Australia still start favourites, but uh, they're not as firm a favourite as what they, what everyone might have been saying at the announcement of the England squad. I was, I was quite surprised by how hard to do it. You know, I mean, typically English tabloid press and the journos there that they, they, they're known to make a headline, aren't they? But uh, uh, I was I was surprised that you know some of their their experts and their pundits, as they call them over there, were, were so scathing on that squad that was picked. And um, you can only pick. You know what's available, and initially Ben Stokes wasn't available, but now he is, and I think that's a that's just a, I think a collective cheer across uh, between England and Australian fans really to know that Ben Stokes is going to be featuring at some stage, hopefully right from the start in this Ashes. So that tips it um, a little bit back their way, but uh, yeah, there's still uncertainty in this Australian Test team. There's still you know we're still sitting here. Wondering who who's going to fill a couple of batting positions. Well, I believe uh, George Bailey, chairman selectors, has said that Marcus Harris will get up the top uh, to partner David Warner. Uh, but uh, you know Warner's his position uh, not under scrutiny now, but challenged so much by this English attack over in England. But his his numbers in Australia are exceptional. So there's there's no set plan yet for the Aussies. Um, there's another batting position in the middle up for grabs, and then of course the demons of last summer, Smithy, of, for that bowling lineup, who just could not get it done as much as they tried, and as I said, the Australian batsmen last summer were able to sort of get them into winning positions probably three times on day five of test matches, and the bowlers didn't get it done, so that'll play on their mind too, and that'll be mentioned a lot by England and, and Joe Root, uh, certainly in his team meeting, so Fascinating contest, as you say. It's as good as any around, and uh, I think this one's going to be a little bit, a little bit closer. I still say Australia, but I think it's going to be pretty hard fought. Okay, Gilly, we'll leave it at that, mate. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's very early in the morning over there, so a uh, big day ahead of you. And uh, I think we should have a, just a, n- a nice little bottle of something special on the outcome on uh, Monday morning. How about that? Well, I think that would only be appropriate, mate. I think we, we should we'll, we'll make sure that works. I look forward to the um, the WhatsApp group banter. I see it's already started very early this morning, but yeah. mate, yep, I'll, I'll I'll take you up on that one. There you go. We're on the record. Game on. Okay, and hopefully COVID lets us work together again at some stage shortly, mate. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, let's let's uh, let's enjoy yet another great tan- trans Tasman battle uh, between the both of us. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think you're probably slight favourites, but you, you hate us calling 
us underdogs, so I'll continue to do that, and that's why I do it. There you go. Uh, it's going to be entertaining, mate. It's going to be really good. Yeah, good on you, good mate. Luck. Good to chat. Great to chat, Cheers. buddy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Adam Gilchrist there, folks. One of the uh, one of the, a terrific guy. Host of uh, Fox uh, Cricket in Australia. Does a great job there, but, man, what a, what a cricketer. Uh, and as I say, he changed the face of cricket in terms of how you used your wicketkeeper batsman. Uh, I say uh, Shane Warne changed the, the face of cricket in terms of uh, the importance of spin bowling and leg spin bowling and re-emphasising that and people wanting to be leg spinners. Uh, and, and from that, we've seen some great bowlers. Adam Gilchrist, the same with wicketkeeper batsmen uh, in terms of um, you just have to produce more than... You have to average more than 35 as a, as a test keeper and as a batter. You have Keeper, you have to be able to bat right up the order as well. That was Adam Gilchrist. And, of course, the other one is Brendan McCullum, who changed the face of 50-over cricket uh, with a style of leadership. So three of the modern-day ones in my mind, anyway. Uh, 11.21 here on SENZ. Plenty more to cover before midday, including talking to Michael Guerin. A really busy day at Addington today. It really is. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Jimmy's come in and said, Smithy, I don't understand why the Warriors continue to buy so many forwards. We have the best breeding ground in the world down here in New Zealand until there is a direct path from Club 40 to reps to Warriors, then they will never do well. The two grand finals we made were yes of use uh, of locals and a few Aussie imports in the right positions. That's from uh, Jimmy on uh, the conversation that we'd had this morning earlier with, uh, of course, uh, Cameron George on uh, what they are recruiting. Uh, also, uh, why do we have this uh, choking effect against Australia? Um, it's an interesting one, Chris, actually. Uh, but you just, I, I felt it a wee bit, I've got to say, felt way, way back in the day, uh, a little bit overawed by playing Australia. I think it's because uh, at that stage we'd never beaten them at anything, to be fair. Uh, there was a long period of time when it came to cricket that uh, we would play against their state teams. We'd have been invited, uh, New Zealand would be, it was a thing called a thing, the Gillette Cup, and New Zealand would go, over to Australia and play Victoria or South Australia, West Australia from time to time. Uh, that's the level that we were regarded at. Isn't it? And then all of a sudden we, we got test recognition against them, I guess the word is. Uh, and we've, it's taken a long time to feel that confident about it. And the fact of the matter is when you don't beat someone very often, uh, you don't feel that confident about playing them, particularly on the big occasion. And uh, the other side might feel differently within the group. They've, they've, um, they've done pretty well in white ball cricket, of course. Um, but uh, they've got that legacy of, as Adam Gilchrist talked about, the test match thing where we went over there and we played abysmally and we smashed into the ground. That doesn't help confidence levels. So there is that. Um, and I, I, it's kind of put yourself in the wallaby shoes playing against the All Blacks when you uh, don't win very often and you find it impossible to win at certain venues. Uh, that's the kind of feeling we have going the other way playing cricket. Perhaps not quite as drastic as that. But it's there, it honestly is there, and, and that's why I believe that Australia will think they have it on us mentally, and um, the, despite how nice some of their commentators and that will be about the whole deal, they do, honestly, deep down they do. Uh, so John Day, um, we've got a, a tipping comp to get through as, as well, we're going to do the news first, or what way do you want to do it? No, nah, no, nah, we've got to have Stunby Smithy after the news, and then we're on to Mickey G. So we'll just do them quickly, eh? Um, semi-final okay. time. It's all North versus South. So this has worked out brilliantly. All North Island teams against South Island teams. So tonight, Manawatu, Otago. Which way are you leaning? I'll go Manawatu. Mm. Yeah, Manawatu at home. 
Okay. okay. I think Otago's got the stronger team, so I'm going to go Otago. I am three behind you, Smithy, and of course, uh, if I right. lose, I buy you a ham. Uh, Taranaki, Southland, 205 Saturday in Inglewood. Taranaki for me. I'm yeah. Sorry, I just have to go with a the form there. Yeah, I've got to go with the North Island team there as well. Hawks Bay, Tasman, we both know which way we're going to go here. Yeah, I'm uh, Hawks Bay and you're Tasman, and yeah. that'll be the end of that, I would imagine. Yep. Yeah, and Waikato, Canterbury, 7.05, Rotorua, Saturday night. This is a swing of this. If this was in Hamilton, I'd go Waikato any day of the week. Um, but because it's not, and I just kind of see the end of the season uh, trend where Canterbury get involved very quickly, I'm going to have to go with Canterbury to safeguard my lead. Um, and I'd quite like Waikato to win just by the by, but I, I see Canterbury winning that one, John. Yeah, I'm going the Red and Blacks as well. I think they've turned a corner, and I think they might just make the final. So two different ones there. I could be within one of you by next week, or it could be all over Rover. So we'll wait and see. It should be a ripper weekend. Yeah, well, it could be a ripper time for you too. It's 11.30 here on SENZ, 0800 150 811. Last chance to win a bit of money from the TAB going into... Cup Day weekend, I mean, the Galloping Cup, that is. The Galloping Cup weekend. Question number one. West Ham are having a hell of a season, sitting third on the Premier League ladder. Who is their manager? David Moyes. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That's got to hurt, Smithy, you know, ex-man you, David Moyes, and now with West Ham, and he's got them third on the ladder. Well, I'm Tottenham, so anything good about West Ham I hate. Can't stand it. <laughs> All right, Brad, question number two. Who is the leading goal scorer in the EPL for this season? Is it Mo, is it Mo Salah? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Is it Mo Salah? Pretending he didn't know, Smithy. Yeah, it's Mo Salah. Uh, it is, and I'll tell you what, man, does he scores some amazing goals, and of course, he's ahead of Ronaldo, who's not, he's, um, he's scoring them, but not so much in, in the EPL, more than the other comps. So, yeah, Mo Fowler, well done. Yep, 10 goals, Jamie Vardy with 7. And for the final question, to win the 50 bucks and the sleep drops, Chelsea's goalkeeper has the most clean sheets this season with 6. What's his name and what country is he from? Oh, I know his name. Eduard Mendy. Where's he from? The Nigeria. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So, yeah, Smithy, over to you. Chance for a stumping and a jackpot to Monday. Just give me his name again. Edward Mendy. Edward Mendy. Edward Mendy. Um, I think he's from the Ivory Coast. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Here's from Senegal. Uh, so you got half of it right, Brad, which means you get half the prize. 50 bucks from the TAB. Well done to you, mate. Beauty. Thank you. No worries. What, which way are you going to chuck it on? Are you going to chuck it on the black caps or the all blacks or what are you going to do with it? Um, all blacks are probably a bit lower. Um, or probably the black caps, eh? Just, just head to head. Multi. Multi it. Multi oh, Yeah. Dollar twenty two. Yeah, so you get you get a buck twenty two on the All Blacks, and that's pretty. Oh, I wouldn't say it's an absolute given. It's quite short actually, but I think it's still good money. And then going to the Black Caps, who are, are outsiders at about two bucks. So, uh, yeah, I I kind of think I, I kind of think I'd go that way. 
Although I'm, I'm very wary of Australia, Brad, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to tip you into anything, but I, I'm wary of Australia. Just out of history, that's all. Yeah, they've got, got the mockers on us, but we did pretty well against them in the T20 series a while ago, so... Yeah. On the day, mate. On the day. Yeah. On the day. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. Have a great weekend, mate. All the very best. Uh, turn that 50 into 5,000. That would be fantastic. It's 11.37 uh, here on SENZ. Uh, and uh, we shall be talking to uh, Michael Geddon, uh, of course, uh, our mate here on SENZ. Very busy man. He's been in Christchurch all week. How has he survived? And what's on today at Addington? Well, it's a very big day. Like his pumped... Smithy, but there's a bit of fear about things today. I, th- I think the racing clubs have done everything possible, as you know, to make it a good experience. But people make sporting events. We, we all know that. And mm. probably more so racing than any other sporting event because they're actually part of the action because they're punting along with the uh, the horse people doing their best. So I think the next two days will be really big, Smithy. Racing at Addington today for free-for-all mm. day, then Cup Day at Rickerton tomorrow. Weather's better. It feels really warm um, it's just got a nice feel about it. It's, it's a public holiday here in Canterbury, Smithy. So I think Cup Week, which has been challenging in many ways, will end better over this weekend, and hopefully we can all find a winner. Well, quality uh, racing, as you say. Uh, this is a very traditional day uh, of, the, of the carnival as well. And uh, the way I look at it, the three major races go between uh, 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock for me, beginning with the uh, Dominion Trot, the Group 1 there, uh, worth a lot of money too, uh, Mick, with uh, Sunday's Sun, a uh, very warm favourite there. I, I think he'll start shorter. They're giving 1.8 the TAB for the defending champion. I think he'll start 1.6. He might even start 1.5 because he's got the front-line barrier draw advantage over the horse who beat him last week in Muscle Mountain, and Muscle Mountain might need to come from 5, 6, who knows, 10 lengths. Off Sunday, Sam. I think if he leads Smithy, he's close to a good thing. He's always a little bit of trepidation about a standing start, but he's been very good from the standing start recently. So Sunday, Sun, clear, clear top pick in race nine. And the free-for-all for the paces, a lot of these horses lined up in the cup the other day. The barrier draws are crucial here too. It's race 11. And I think South Coast Arden, from all the people I've spoken to involved in the race, Smithy, I think it'll lead. And I don't see too many challenges until the last 800 metres. That being the case, the last time he led it like that in a race was at the Harness Jewels at Cambridge in June and he bolted in. I think it'll be awfully hard to catch. I'm not saying he's a better horse than self-assured. I just think he'll be in the right place to win today's race. So if you want to have a responsible bet this morning, punters, you could do worse than Sunday, Sunday, race nine, all up South Coast Arden into race 11, if you put your ten dollars on, you might have a chance of getting forty dollars back, and you can buy yourself some fish and chips for dinner tonight. How exciting was it for you and Greg to work with that pot that you worked with on Tuesday? It was a strange one, Smitty, because I, I, I liked the idea, and I still do like the idea of a national punters club for race days. But I think the parameters were wrong, and that was probably all of us together got it wrong because we weren't allowed to beat early. So the two horses we wanted—I'll tell you the truth, Smitty—you want to have fifty thousand on Franco Indy and we wanted 50000 on crew because we had a $100,000 pool. But they opened at 2.4 and 1.9. But by the time we were able to bet at 1 o'clock on Saturday, on Tuesday, they were 1.5 and 
and, and you just can't take those sort of odds. They're not going to have 50000 on a horse at a dollar thirty-five because that's insulting to the people at home. So we couldn't quite get warm. So what we suggested to the club next year is when they have a punter's club, if they front-end fund the first 50000 because I don't think they're going to get 100000 in the pool. If they front-end fund it and say starting Thursday you can bet and bet at the best odds, and then you can announce the bets on Tuesday. So that's a little change I think they need to make. No complaints. Um, we still didn't tip enough winners, but we made a decision by the time we got to the last race where we could have had 65,000 a win on a horse that we didn't really love, Smithy. We would rather have people at home getting 60 cents of the dollar back rather than, say, a punter's cup in one of your footy mates where you just go all in on the last because you don't really care about getting the money back. So maybe the parameters were the ideal. It's our first crack at it. I'm sure it's going to be way, way better heading forward. And at the bottom line, Smithy, no excuses. If you don't make enough winners, you don't make any money. No, you don't, mate. You're dead right there. Uh, listen, your job doesn't with us um, doesn't finish uh, today or uh, any day, really, because harness racing continues on. But... So does the gallops over the weekend. Uh, what are your shows this weekend you're involved in featuring on what? We've got a huge one today. Uh, so Greg and I and a whole bunch of guests, including people from Harness Racing New Zealand and some of the drivers, will be on track at Addington today. So on the South Island stations, or you can listen to it on the app, starting at 3 o'clock, four hours of coverage, back-to-back, -back, just everything you want to know about the harness today. Plots talk will be moving to Friday afternoon, starting at 3 o'clock. So that's South Island stations, or grab the app if you want that information. Just pack the back Addington. Tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, Louie and I are on the Mail Run, our traditional Saturday morning show. That'll be on ECN normally, like it normally is, and that'll be previewing the big day at Richmond tomorrow. And then at 12 o'clock on Sunday, also on ECN, so all the national stations will have uh, Trot's Talk to, to review the week and talk about what we've learned and what we saw and what's going to happen next Smithy, so we've got a whole bunch of racing coming up on ECN track in Australia too. The coverage has been massive this week and I was talking to Louis Huben what this morning and it's so cool to be able to tell some of the stories behind the stories. So it's been a really enjoyable week and we're hoping that ECN and ECN track are going to be a huge part of Cup Week heading forward. Good. Okay, Mark, we'll leave it at that. We know you've got plenty to do today, so uh, all the best. Thanks very much for that information uh feature day today at addington and uh let's hope uh, you had that great flavor down there mate and have a have a great weekend to wind it all up thanks buddy. enjoy the time mate thank you yeah cheers uh mick Aaron there of course with his uh, information on the harness racing uh, industry look uh, just before we get to staffy a uh, couple of texts adam says gee you have changed your tune from yesterday about beating the bullies across the ditch be very afraid, my friend, of the green and gold, Adam. I'm always afraid of the green and gold, and that's why I'm a little bit worried about it. Plus the Conway factor, uh, not having Conway and the balance of the team all of a sudden be effect, being affected. It just hasn't uh, been a good 24 hours for us after what, what was uh, previously a very good one. So a little bit worried there, and I also saw signs of real confidence and ebullience from the balcony, that Australian balcony. Not looking forward to that. Uh, it's 11.50 here, and uh, when we come back, uh, Staffy, on a day where his turbos have a very, very big day.